Thank you for the preaching opportunity. Open the eyes and the ears of these, your servants. Give us insight and wisdom and discernment as we wrestle with this portion of scripture. <clears throat> Keep me, please, sir, at the foot of Calvary, for we would see you, Jesus. And in the end thereof, we will give all honor and glory and praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. And let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it, it with his hands when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. And then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. He's a mighty man of valor. He's a man of war. He's prudent in the speech. And he's a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. And therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Jesse, send me your son David, who was with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread, a skin of wine. Somebody say a 40 ounce right there. A young goat. And he sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hands. And then Saul would become refreshed and well. And the distressing spirit would depart from him. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to tag this message, the Chronicles of David, the makings of a king's ministry. The makings of a king's ministry. Let me have that stand, Brother Johnny. Thank you so much. Have you ever really looked back over your life? To examine just how God 
had prepared you for ministry. Have you ever just taken a time, BJ, to evaluate how you got to the place that you are in today and, and, and what has made you, Lokalani, the person that you are in Christ? Have you ever done that? If not, I would challenge you today to take some time and do the research because it just might bless you to rediscover just how the Lord has began to shape you and mold you and give you the ability, watch this now, to handle difficult assignments in your ministry. David, in the very beginning of his ministry, we get to see today is handed a difficult task. He's got to deal, Zuniga, with a demonic situation. And he's got to do it in a manner in which he needs confidence to believe in who he is and who the God is that sent him to this ministry. Y'all in here now? Let me tell you some more. Even though he was anointed to be king on last week, the time has not come yet. Y'all in here? And while he was waiting to sit on the throne and serve Israel, he was first called to serve the outgoing king. Brother Seth, we can learn today, Deke, that, that some powerful lessons about humility, service, patience, obedience, and spiritual warfare is what God teaches you in ministry preparation to get you ready to deal with the difficult situations that ministry is going to bring your way. I just said a mouthful. Can I paraphrase it? He got to take you through it before he let you do it. It's my prayer today that God will get some of you ready for the difficult ministry assignments. It's my prayer today, Reverend and, and Sister, Sister Blackburn, that God would allow us to apply these lessons today so we can be prepared for what God is calling us to do as sons and daughters of Yahweh. Y'all going to help me today? I got three simple points, and I hope they're simple to you because they were very difficult to me. Number one, I want to talk about the misery of a fallen servant. And then I want to talk about the ministry to a fallen servant. Are you with me here? And then I want to look at the ministry of a faithful servant. It's all in here. Don't make it up. What? Okay, then let's do it. Point number one, the misery of a fallen servant. We're talking about Saul and point number one. The text says, daughter Drea, but, y'all see that right there? The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Let me stop right here. The but is here because in verse 
13, we see the spirit of the Lord falls upon David. He's been anointed the new king. And then verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departs from Saul, the old king. Y'all in it now? Tell somebody, God ain't with him no more. And not only does the spirit of the Lord depart from him, but here's the crux of the text. And a distressing spirit. Tell somebody, tell them, another spirit. From the Lord troubled him. This distressing spirit is a demonic presence from the underworld. Now you know that's loaded. Okay, so, so, so let me deal with it. In verse 15, and Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God, Saul, is troubling you. Brother Ed, when we arrive at this text, son, we get a glimpse at a sad but a difficult case in ministry. The once appointed and anointed king of Israel has lost his anointing. And the spirit of God that once rested upon him has left him because of his disobedience. Here it is, McBee. Here it is. Not only has the spirit of God left him, but God allowed an evil spirit to come and inflict him. He, he, he didn't possess him, but he oppressed him. Y'all in here? That there's a difference between demonic possession and demonic oppression. Demons cannot possess believers, but they can, with permission from God, oppress believers. And they are usually oppressive to believers when believers deliberately disobey what God has told you not to do. Y'all in here now? In other words, in other words, God is going to use this demon as a school teacher to Saul. Ah, I feel my help up here. He's got many belts to whoop you with. And in this text, he's going to deal with Saul according to Saul's disobedience. Tell somebody, don't let God whoop you. Because you don't get to choose your belt. Can I get an amen in here? All I'm trying to say, daughter Treese, welcome home. Is Saul in this text, daughter, has got a serious problem. Saul in this text, Sister Nichols, has a great dilemma. Saul in this text, my brothers and my sisters, has lost his ministry as king to Israel. And where he once felt God's presence, he now does not. Instead, he feels the presence of a demonic spirit. I notice here, Reverend Mason, it's a tragedy to once feel the Lord at work in you and working through you, but then lose that feeling and lose that influence. Because of your disobedience. I know I ain't going to get too much help through here. But some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
You remember what it was like when you used to come in and feel the presence of the Lord, but then you go in a season of disobedience, and now you can't even feel him in prayer. You can't even feel him when they sing in your songs. The sermons don't even move you no more. In fact, all you are is grumpy and depressed. And trying to wonder why. So you text and talk through the sermon. Trying your best to ignore. And he just keep whooping you, amen. I don't know about you, but when mama used to whoop me, I used to holler a little louder every time she hit me, amen. Just to let her know, I got the point, I got the point. I'm the only one that had a mama that did that, huh? All I'm trying to tell you is family, it's one thing to have human problems in life, but it's another thing to have satanic problems in your life. Saul's problem was that the Lord, watch this now, allowed it. Y'all in here? The Lord gave this distressing spirit permission. The Lord removed the hedge of protection from Saul. When he removed his anointing from his life, the evil one had access to him. Uh, uh, Reverend White, Saul was now vulnerable to the underworld. And he was unable, yes, to combat the demonic distressing spirit. I was reading in my text, Reverend Brown, and I was wondering about this. You know, this was my dissertation in my work. And I wrote myself this note. This distressing spirit must have caused Saul to act, Sister Kathy, bizarre. To lash out. And his servants must have saw it. Because the text says that his servants said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. But you know, people can tell when you acting like the devil. You say you've been called to follow Jesus. I'm a believer. I love the Lord. He heard my. But then you cussing. Fussing. Gossiping. Out of control. Mad at everything that's human. Come on, talk to me. People can tell when your behavior change. And the servants who once him knew Saul as the king of Israel, who had the anointing of God upon his life, they worked with him, they walked with him, they talked with him, they saw when his behavior changed. And they called it to his attention. They begin to see that the king wasn't acting himself. Y'all mighty quiet in here. They begin to see, Brother Reuben, that the king was behaving irrationally, cussing for no reason. They begin to see that something more powerful than Saul was causing a change in his behavior. 
They, they, they had the ability to see that God had all power and that God must be allowing the evil spirit to work in Saul's life. So they, they declared, daughter Dana, that this spirit working against the king was from the Lord. Why, why would they do that? Because they understood that the Lord is sovereign. There's no spirit greater than him in the earth. And if any spirit is allowed to attack God's man, God has to give it permission. Can I help somebody here? The devil's got some power, but he ain't got all power. And whatever he do in the earth, God allows it to happen. I got an answer about ISIS. You want to hear it? God has allowed it. Are you in here? I don't care what political camp you in. Ain't no army going to stop out what God has ordained. Are you in here now? Can I tell you today that God is the God of all the universe? Can I tell you that he's even Satan's God? Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil is God's devil. And he's on a leash. And he can only go and do what God tells him he can go and do. He does what God tells him to do. Can I tell you some more? You know, he got to check in for his assignments. I got some Bible from my theology. Job chapter 2. Satan is going to and fro in the earth. And he comes before God with the other sons of God. The angels. And God said, what are you doing, Satan? He says, I'm going to and fro in the earth. God said, have you considered my servant Job? I know you're looking for somebody to mess up. I know you're looking for somebody to distress. I've got somebody, Satan, that I want you to test for me. And the sovereign God of heaven and earth gives the one on the leash permission to test his servant. Can I come down your road? And he'll give him permission to test his righteous servant. He ain't got no business giving him permission to check you, his disobedience, sir. It's heavy, ain't it? I tell your neighbor that let's lose some weight. I like this in this text. One more, one more side note, then I, I promise I'll get to be. I notice here, Brother Jackson, that the distressing spirit couldn't touch Saul while the anointing was operating in his life. It's not until God removes his anointing, his ministry position, that the devil now has access at his life. As soon as God's power was gone, the Lord grants him permission. Why? Because 
God was removing Saul from the throne and preparing David to take the throne. This text has got to do much with ministry removal and ministry uh, uh, installations. I believe, yes, that the devil was waiting in the shadows for an opportunity to get Saul. Can I argue my case? He's the first king of God's people. God is present at the anointing of Saul, at the swearing in of the, the, the service. The devil is watching as God puts his man over his people and Satan is just laying in the cut, waiting for an opportunity to get the one that God has deemed highly favored. And as soon as he gets a window, he's back at God, yes, I believe, asking for access. Can I give you my Bible for my theology? He did it in Job's case. He did it in Peter's case. Remember he says to Peter, can I have Peter that I may sift him as we? If it's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament, you got confirmation that it's in the church age. And he's still looking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for access to you and I. Tell, tell, tell somebody, don't get a devil the opportunity. He'll take it. He'll take it. And here we see what God grants him permission. And allows for, watch this now, not an unclean spirit, not a mute spirit, not a deaf spirit, but a distressing spirit. Y'all see that right there? This thing stressed him out. It caused pressure to make him act out. Mm. And what it did was took Saul and put him in misery. Can I say some more about that? Here's what I believe happened, Deacon Crawford. Saul's sin, his disobedience to God, right, in chapter, in chapter 13 and 14, caused him great trouble. Y'all in here? And he lost the kingdom. And now, with this spirit upon him, he was losing the grasp of reality. He's so distressed about what he did. And he's being whooped constantly. Y'all in here now? His joy is gone. The enthusiasm for doing the work of God is gone. The love of God's people is gone. And he's mad. He's angry. He's no longer fulfilled. And he can't stand even living but too scared to die. 
Some of y'all right there. He is greatly distressed. But even in his distress, we see a merciful God still trying to get his attention. And God, yes, is using people all around him to minister to him in his misery. Can I say some more? It's like God is playing both sides of the game. He's offense and defense. He sends the distressing spirit to whoop his servant and get his attention, but he provides servants around him to try to ease his turmoil. I wish y'all would help me preach this thing. Okay, okay, okay. Has God ever sent someone to minister to you in your misery? And you know you've been disobedient? Has God ever put people in your life to try to help you get cured from your misery? And you alone know why misery is on your street. Has God ever tried to get you to see where your trouble was coming from? I believe that's what's happening in this text today. God is trying to get Saul's attention. But Saul won't repent. And Saul ain't listening. Aaron is here this morning. He's a man now. But I remember when him and my mama, my, his mama and me used to whoop him. Aaron was the kind of baby that you couldn't make him cry. Stubborn. So even when you whoop him, he gonna stiff. Wanna cry, the lip be quivering, but he ain't breaking. <laughs> he ended up wearing me out, amen. <laughs> Get to your room, man. Tyler, are you in here? I love you, Aaron. But I believe that's how God is with some of us. He don't get tired of whooping you, though. Some of you think if you just, I can weather this storm. I can tough it out. He takes this from you. I don't care. I didn't need that anyway. He removes this from you. I don't care. I can live without it. He takes that from you. You try to create a new hustle. He takes this crowd and you go out and try to find a new crowd. I don't care what you do to me, God. I ain't breaking. I ain't moving. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to break. Then when God cranks it up, he's got spirits like distressing spirits. Can I run that thing? You know that distressing spirit take your sleep from you. You try to medicate to go to sleep and you tired, but you're wide awake. Ever get high and hear voices? You try to run out of town to get away from the church and get there and he's there too. Try to do wrong and get to the place to do wrong and the distressing spirit is there. Y'all ain't listening in here. Causes your life to be miserable. And everybody around you know you in misery. And they come to you with point number two. A ministry to a fallen servant. 
You know it's a certain it's the same it's a thing, right? There is a ministry to fallen servants. Okay, don't make it up. It's in the text. Verse 16. Look at this. The text says that the servants say to Saul, Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player, a player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. And then one of the servants answered and said, look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. He's a mighty man of valor, a mighty man of war, a prudent man in speech, and a handsome person, and the law is with him. Look at this. When we arrive at this text, we get to see, yes, the servants making ministry recommendations huh, to take care of the thing that's messed up Saul's life. We, we, we see several unlikely things, though, and that's what I want to reveal to you. Number one, we see servants who were committed to Saul's administration and committed to seeing that the king's needs were met, tried to deal with a distressing spirit. Why? Because they feel called to serve the king and to help him in the ministry that God has given him. Number two, we see that they recognize, yes, he's dealing with spiritual warfare. Huh? Number three, we see that they recognize, watch this, that Saul as king, Brother Darian, he don't have the ability or the capacity or the skill set to handle this spiritual crisis. Number four, they recognize that he may be still king in office, but he ain't got no authority in the demonic realm. They, so they make what I call, as Reverend Tong, a very strategic decision. They suggest that the king give them the order to go and get some help. King, you want to get better? You got to send us, man. We can't go get help without your authority. Are you with me here? Now, they were servants that I called, Ro Jackson, had ministry on their mind. They, they were ministry-minded. Some of us aren't, but they were. And they were thinking about rescuing Saul from the demonic. Here's the application. If only new beginners were servants like this. If only every member of our church, even the one sleeping right now, had a mind to see people set free from the evil one. We'd have a powerful church. If only we could be focused 
like they were, I call that laser focused on what the needs of the fallen servants were. We could do some damage in Fresno. We, we, we could have a great ministry if all our hearts were in tune to the needs, Reverend White, of our brothers and sisters. The same way that Saul's servants were for him. That these servants were, were wise in the decision. Here it is, Mason. But they were untrained in what they were looking for. I'm coming, y'all. Can y'all wait on me? They, they, they asked for somebody who could play the harp. Watch this. But not somebody who could deal with demons. They wanted to treat the symptom but not deal with the root. And a lot of times, that's what happens in church ministry. We always want to look for people that can help us with the symptoms and not looking for mature giants that can pull up the root. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see I lost some of y'all. Let me try to make it plain. We got to be careful in 2016 how we misdiagnose ministry situations. Here it is, Brother Johnny. We got to be careful that we don't overlook the supernatural for the natural. We got to be careful that we don't try to fix problems without dealing with the root causes. Can I give you some examples? We can't keep feeding people who won't stop gambling. Giving them food ain't fixing the problem. We got to deal with the heart of the problem. Or else they'll go and gamble every check and run to the church to pay their PG&E. Okay? We can't keep feeding people who won't stop getting high with the rent money. Why? Giving them food ain't fixing the problem. Having a heart that ain't right with God is the problem. Brother Jeff, can you help me this morning? We can't keep bailing our kids out of jail when they don't want to lead the gangs. Bail ain't fixing the problem. A heart that's against God is the problem. I know. I understand. You can say amen to some stuff. But you can't say amen to all stuff. Can I make it simple to swallow for you? All sin. Somebody say all sin. Comes from the heart. So if you fix the heart. You address the root of the problem. I feel like I'm pulling two-ton trucks up here. Saul had a heart problem. His heart is what disobeyed God. But then his heart, yes, because it was wrong with the things of God, 
the ultimate example of his disobedience was the result of a distressing spirit. Because even in his disobedience, he would not repent. And God, yeah, will use whatever he needs to use to get your attention to deal with your heart problem. The servants was up close, but they couldn't see, Garcia, that the problem wasn't the demon. The problem was the heart. If they could get Saul to repent, God would take care of the demon. The demon was the Lord's tool to try to get his attention. Oh, y'all. Can I just say again? God got some stuff to get your attention when you won't repent from your heart. Anybody in here? It ain't about lip service. I'm sorry, Lord. No, he knows when you're really sorry. Am, Am I right, Sister Elva? True repentance will show in your behavior. All right, y'all don't get that, so let me put it this way. If you change your mind, your behind will follow. Oh, new beginnings. Where my church go? Where my church go? <laughs> uh, the servants tried to see it, but they missed it. The servants tried to see it, but they couldn't quite connect. The servants tried to see it, but, but, but couldn't see what they didn't know what to look for. And that's what I think we are when we're dealing with fallen servants. We try to fix the outward situation. But it's the heart you got to go deal with. Does that make sense? Can I say some more about this? While the servants are trying to get Saul to be eased and comforted so the distressing spirit will move, God, remember I told you he's working offense and defense, has a plan for how he's going to get his new king to the throne. Saul ain't coming back as king. His anointing is gone. He told, remember last week, he told Samuel, how long will you mourn for the one I rejected? Get up and get down to Jesse's house because I have chosen for myself a new king. In other words, Saul ain't coming back. His assignment is done. So God, yeah, is disciplining him because he loves him, but he's getting ready to remove him because he's got a new king that needs to assume the throne. And guess how he does it? He uses the servants that are ministering to Saul to invite David to come into the palace. Uh, He got more than one way to get you to the place he has ordained for you to be. Y'all didn't feel like like I did, huh? God had a plan, B.J., to move David into the palace. And God's plan was to elevate the man he wanted to take and put in Saul's place. Okay, 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 okay. He's in the field in Bethlehem playing with the sheep. 
and they having a discussion in the palace about the one that can help the king get better. He don't even know they talking about him. But a meeting is happening somewhere else because his promotion is on the way. I'm having some fun up here today. So can I say it this way? God is using a distressing spirit to set up a ministry opportunity for the new king to minister to the old king. Saul hears his service and he agrees with him. He agrees with him, Reverend Gray. He says, yeah, verse 6, 17, provide me now with such a man who can play a harp and take away this misery and bring him to me. And watch this. Then verse 18, then one of the same servants said, King, I know a man. His name is Jesse. He's a farmer down in Bethlehem. He got eight boys. And the last born... Jesse, his name is David, and he can play. I heard him play the harp. And not only can he play the harp, he's a man of valor. He's selling it to him now. Are you listening? He's not only a man of valor, Brother Grady, but he's a man of war. Not only is he a man of valor, he can play the harp, a man of war, but he's prudent in speech. And then not only that, King, he's good to look at. The brother's handsome. Easy on the eye. When I look at this portion of the text, we get to see the fulfillment of God's plan to move David into ministry. To help, watch this now, to help someone who was in misery. I just said a mouthful. Do you know that your ministry call is to help somebody who's in misery? No, I miss somebody. I miss somebody who think you in the ministry for money. You in the ministry for prosperity. You in the ministry to blow up your own name. No, you've been called by God into the ministry you are in to help those who are miserable. If you are in ministry and you say, I don't like people, then you ought to get out of ministry. Your ministry only exists to help those who are tore up from the God, yeah, thank you, Lord, was refining and defining David's heart. David didn't know it, but God was getting ready to move him into the palace. He did hear on last week that he was the new king because Samuel anointed him with oil. Remember that? He went through all the sons, and then he was number eight. I don't know what. Y'all remember that, right? And as the anointed one for the throne, Reverend Brown, David was now being called by God, watch this, to help people who were dealing with problems that was bigger than him. Okay, I'll say it another way. God was getting David ready to rule. He was getting ready. God was getting ready, David ready, to lead a nation. He was getting him ready, Mason, to serve a nation. But God had to have a king 
in Israel who had the mind and the heart of God. Remember, he handpicks David because he's a man whose heart is after God. So before God makes him king, he got to learn how to minister to a king. And he got to learn how to deal with some up close, in your face, demonic situations. Because if you're going to lead anybody, you got to know how to deal with devils. You may think you want to be a pastor. You don't want to go through what I had to go through to get here to deal with y'all. You may think you want to be a wife and a mama. You got to go through some stuff to be a mama and to be a wife. You may think I want to be a husband and a daddy. If you ain't ready to die, you don't want to be a husband and you don't want to be a daddy. You better enjoy your singleness. A lot of you, yeah. You want the prize, but you don't want the cost it takes. Yeah, we smiling happily married, but it's been a lot of tearless nights. Come on, married people, be honest. Am I talking to you? God got to get him ready. This ain't in my text, but can I say? David ain't never asked to be a king. (laughs) He was called by God, Pee Wee, to be the king. And then now that God's called him, God's got to prepare him, but his role won't be easy. Can I tell you that the ministry God has for you? Yeah, I bet you didn't choose it for yourself. Because you never choose what's hard. It ain't in our human DNA to choose what's uncomfortable. Y'all acting all holy in here. Come on, talk to me. You know you ain't ever chose nothing that's going to hurt you. But God calls you to stuff that hurts you. And then prepares you to deal with the pain. So there can be joy in your walk. I got so much in this text, man. I... When the servants knew that Saul was interested in this person, I like how they set him up. They, they called him Jesse's son. He's a Bethlehemite. He's from Bethlehem. Now, why did they say this? Because Saul, being a king under distress, would probably not have wanted David to come if he knew Samuel just anointed him as the king. So they set him up. They said, he's just the son of Jesse. A Bethlehemite. If he's from Bethlehem, he ain't no threat to the king. Okay, y'all missed it. He said, not only, not only is he from Bethlehem, he's a man of valor. He's a warrior. In other words, king, you need somebody who can fight this distressing spirit. And this is a man who will stand in the gap for you. He don't want your throne. But he's a warrior. And guess what? Watch this. This really got me. He's prudent in speech. 
In other words, he don't talk a lot. Because you're so distressed, the last thing you want is a loud mouth in your ear and in your court. You need somebody that can play the harp and keep his mouth shut. You need somebody who can play the harp, keep his mouth shut, and then battle with the demonic. And on top of that, he good looking. You know why that's important? Because the kings would never hire anybody ugly to work in the court. Everybody that run with the king look good. Got their hair cut. Got their nails done. Got their weave unbelievable. Because they come dressed to impress. He gonna be quiet, but he gonna be present. He gonna be vigilant, and he's gonna be soft on the eyes. Cause you got enough to deal with with this spirit that's causing you misery. Saul liked the plan. He said, "Somebody get this man. Somebody go get him and bring him to me." Can I say some more? Uh, this text, it implies for you and I that this was the perfect ministry setup for David. This was the chance for David, the new king select, to meet the old king reject. Yeah, yeah. David ain't never knew no kings. He will be the second king of Israel. The first one failed. Who could he talk to about what it means to be the king of Israel? Except to sit up close under the king who failed. Oh, I just got to say this. This ain't in my notes. Sometime, in order to be a good mama, you got to walk with one who was horrible. So you'll know what not to do. Here I come. You're going to get mad, but I don't care. Sometime, I think we need to hook up engage people with divorced people so they can learn what not to do. Best way to keep a kid from getting drugs, let them hang out with a smoker so they can see what. Else you don't know. You think you're invincible. Yeah, yeah. But David was going to get to see up close what a king looks like when he's wrestling with the demonic. God was walking him, Sister Staley, right into the palace to deal with a distressing spirit. And then I like this, Reverend Brown. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't um, I didn't run this as far as I should in the text, but I'm going to go back from my own personal knowledge and do it. But David walks into the ministry with a secret. And the secret is, I'm getting your job. But I ain't going to tell you. I'm your replacement. God already told me. But until he remove you, I'm going to serve you. David knew what God had done for him. 
But nobody else knew, Greer, what the Lord was doing in David's life. David wasn't in the court bragging, man, I'm the king, I'm going to get his job. David, man, is a great picture of knowing where he'd been, where he'd come from, and where God had brought him from. He was quiet, and he was waiting his turn. Can I tell you something? This is a beautiful picture. For those of you who are aspiring to be leaders, wait your turn. Serve where he plants you and wait your turn. You know the promise he told you. You ain't got to put it on Facebook, Snapchat. Come on, talk to me. You ain't got to whisper in the pew. Just be quiet. Be valiant. Be a soldier of war. Be prudent. Be good looking. And serve until your time comes. David's gift had made a way for him. Y'all missed that, huh? His gift of caring for sheep, serving down in Bethlehem, had caught the eye of Yahweh. And God decided when the time is right, I'm going to anoint you for being my king. Saul was Israel's king, but David, you my king. And now his gifts have made a way for him. David had, Brother Tommy, the perfect ministry to a fallen servant. Let me get to my next point and get out of your way, my last one. But I need to say this. There's another hidden picture here. Don't kick the fallen servant while they're down. Well, y'all ain't hear me? First thing you do is write somebody off when they walk away from the Lord or they disobey God. Don't you do that. Have the spirit of David and serve them. If God calls you to serve them, pray for restoration. Mm. We would do more to save a church congregation if we had the spirit of David trying to help those who are fallen. Somebody said to me, Pastor, why you run with those preachers in the Baptist Pastors Conference when they did this or they did that? Because it could have been me. I want somebody to come get me. If I ever fall from grace, don't you leave me out there. Talk about you love me, but you see me go left and don't come and get me. You don't love me, you lying. You got to be the servant that'll serve the fallen. That's ministry. Say what you want to say. If Jesus came for the broken, what's your problem? If Jesus came from those toe up from the floor up, who you running with? If Jesus' 12 men were crazy and to the left, why are your friends perfect? 
If you got a ministry to perfect, perfect people, retire and go to go celebrate somewhere. But all my friends got problems. Ah, I know they preachers, but they still drink too much. I know they problems, but they got wandering eyes. I know they preachers, and they can't balance the checkbook. I know they preachers, and they ain't no good on most days. But God called them. And he's called me to serve them. Get up with it if you want to, but I guarantee you, when you fall, you're going to want somebody to show up with the spirit of David. Fall if you want to and see who come to your rescue. Y'all come on, talk to me. Pious people, come on, talk to me. Don't think you can't fall. Don't think your marriage won't crash. Don't think your kids won't get on crack. Don't think your life can't derail. You a lie and you a fool if you think calamity won't come to you. What you better have is some Davids in the closet. You better have somebody that'll leave they Bethlehem and come and get you while distressing spirit is whooping your gluteus maximus. Saul didn't know it, but God loved him enough to send his replacement to minister to him in the ministry transition. I'm trying to get out of here. Had a great meeting last night with a pastor, a former pastor in this city who lost three churches. Lost his way. Wife and him ain't serving nowhere. Just out there. You know what joy it was to him? To have a colleague come and say, man, get back up again. What you mean you quit? Brush yourself off. We sat for hours. And talked about the word of the Lord. Illustrations in the text. Where God redeems, restores, renews. You want friends like that. That's who you want. You don't want somebody to kick you when you're down. I don't need you if you're going to put your foot on my neck. When I can't get up, I'm falling and I... I need a friend that's going to either lay down with me or get a crane and pull me up. I'm through with phony church people. There's a lot of phony churches you can join. Go. They'd love to have you. I'm looking for somebody that'll help me. Help fallen servants. Pick people up and restore them. What a picture David has. I didn't mean to say all that. I've talked about the misery of a fallen servant. I've talked about the ministry to a fallen servant. Let me show you something in the text that I didn't see, though. 
the ministry of a faithful servant. The text says in verse 19, Tommy, how am I doing, man? Right. Therefore Saul, you see that there? Saul the king sent messengers to Jesse, David's dad. He said, send me your son, David, who, watch this now, is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat. You see that? And he sent them by his son, David, to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before the king. And he loved him greatly. The king did. And David became his armor bearer. Let me unpack this and I'm through. When we gather at this portion of the text, we get to see the ministry of a faithful servant. Watch this. I ain't talking about David. I'm talking about his daddy, Jesse. Y'all see it? Jesse, as a father, is being asked, Zunica, by the king, to send his last born son to leave the house and go serve the king that he'd been ordained to replace. Okay. This request would have been a hard request. Let me tell you why. David was the baby boy. He was the last born and as the last born, he should have been the last to lead a house. He had responsibilities to his daddy. And the king is asking for Jesse to release his son for the king's own personal pleasure. Jesse not only releases David, watch his servant's heart, but he sends an offering with him as well. He sends a donkey, SUV on rims, loaded him down with the best bread in Bethlehem, a skin of wine or AKA a 40 ounce, whatever you want to call it. And a young goat. And he sent him by David, his son. Wow, I just. He sends David's resources to live on while the king uses him in ministry. He's so faithful and loyal to the king, even though he knows he's been replaced. He sends his son to serve him and then takes care of his missionary needs while he's on the mission. He ain't got as much as the king got. He ain't got the kind of food on the table that the king has on the table. He ain't got the fields that the king has. This one goat would have cost him something. But he is a servant. 
Look, Jesse gives not even knowing what he's going to get in return. I'm going somewhere. Jesse gives not expecting to get back. Jesse gives not knowing what the king has in mind for his baby boy. He's a picture of a faithful servant who's obedient to authority. And what we need today in the kingdom of God is more Jesse's. We need people, Sister Bunch, who give up their personal belongings to the king of glory. Who's calling them to serve. Not only was he calling David to serve, but by sending his son, he was calling Jesse. And what we need in the kingdom is people that will encourage their children to do the things of God, no matter what the cost. If he sent David, who was going to watch the sheep? If he sent David, who was going to care for him in his old age? If he gave up his resources, who was going to replace it? Jesse didn't have answer to those questions, but he had a call on his life. To serve the one who was in misery and who was in need. What a call. Because that's what ministry is. It calls you to give up your stuff. Mm. It calls you to give up your comforts. It calls you to give up sometime your family. To serve somebody who's in misery. That's what ministry is. I want to make it clear that that's what ministry is. It ain't about having your name on the marquee. Or your name up in lights. Or your name on the program. Or you singing every song. Ministry costs you something. And I'm glad I see this in the text. Because if Jesse was this kind of man, then David got to see what it looked like up close to give up yourself to minister to somebody else. If Jesse was a daddy like this, then Brown, he was literally modeling for David the cost to serve somebody who's hurting. If Jesse was a man like this, then I can stand why God would call a man like David. Because God knew that daddy poured into his son everything that he needed to fulfill the ministry. Hey, hey, here it is. Thank you for the email, God. Listen, parents, guess what you're doing? Training your babies for ministry. And if you come home and talk about people at the church, what make you think they're going to even come? What make you think they're going to love the Lord when you don't love him? 
What, what make you think they're going to want to work in the church when you've been bashing the church? <laughs> what makes you think they're going to live selflessly, selflessly when you live selfishly? It's not going to happen. But God has placed in me to model for my sons what it looks like to live a life sold into ministry. Well, y'all out of energy? I done lost my voice. I put the seatbelt light on. Let's get ready to land the plane. The conclusion said, thank you, Reverend. He said, I got clearance. The Bible says that David came to Saul. He was in ministry. And he stood before him, Deacon Mel, and he did ministry so good that B of 21 says, and the king loved him greatly. Huh. And he became, watch this now, his armor bearer. Saul was so pleased with David's ministry that he sent Jesse a message and said, please let David stand before me. In other words, let him live in my house. He ain't coming back, Jesse. Let me have him because he's found favor in my sight. And then the text says, and, and so it was whenever the spirit of God came upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hands. And then Saul would become refreshed and well. And the distressing spirit would depart from him. I'm closing when I tell you this. When we come to the close of this text, we see the divine fulfillment of God's plan for David. David's not coming home again because God ordained him last week to be the king. And God would keep trouble in the new king's life, the old king's life, brother, so the new king could be there to minister to him and learn what it looks like to run a kingdom. Y'all in here? He kept just enough trouble in Saul's life to keep David in the court playing the harp. Are y'all in here now? Saul had lost his anointing. The throne had been taken. He lost the spirit of God upon his life. And God has now placed the new king right in front of him to serve him. Can I say some more? He didn't remove his presence from overseeing Israel because the new king was in the palace. He was just there undercover. Okay, okay, that didn't get you. In other words, this got me right here, and I, I hope you're going to shout right here. David becomes a picture, are you ready? Of the servant king. What my Bible readers at? The servant king. He's not just a king who rules. But he's a king who serves. And we see that as a result of his service, he finds favor even with his enemy. As the servant king, 
He brought the spirit of God back into the palace. As the servant king, he's beloved by all. Kabuya, as the servant king, he got promoted from the music ministry to the armor bearer. Why is that significant, Pastor? It's significant because as an armor bearer, it was his job to keep the king alive in battle. Ah, y'all missed it. Here, here it is, here it is. It's his job to carry protective gear for the king. And it's his job to carry the armor and the weapons of the warrior. David, yes, was important because he had to keep Saul alive until his time had come. David had to do war with the demonic until God was ready to install him as the new king. God wouldn't do it too early because he wouldn't be fully prepared to lead until his training was done. Don't, don't tell somebody, don't get ahead of God. Look, look, look. Saul didn't know it, but God had David waiting right where he wanted him. God had David in preparation to be his king. God had David in a strategic location. And when the time was right, Israel was going to get heaven's best. For the nation. Uh, I'm closing when I tell you this. This really got me Mason. David had already been promoted. He just hadn't had the installation yet. When God calls you Rodney. He promotes you. But you have to wait in promotion. For the installation. We can learn a lot from the text if we just listen long enough. Sometimes God promotes your tongue, but he just ain't installed you yet. Don't get impatient. Don't quit on God. Sometimes the promotion and the installment comes at the same season, sometimes at different seasons. But what we need to do is wait until we learn all there is to learn about the ministry he's called us to. Sometimes we need to learn how to minister to difficult people. So when we get the assignment, we're ready to do what the Lord has called us to do. Son, listen to me. Sometimes he'll put you right in the midst of something that's so heavy you feel like, God, I'm going to crack if you don't get me from under it. And he keeps you right there. Has you serving, you feel me, 24-7. Why? Because he's getting you ready. For the thing he's made you for. I'm closing when I tell you this. As a servant king, David was waiting his turn for the throne ministry. And while he was waiting, get this, y'all, he had to serve the broken. 
While he was waiting, Mason, he had to serve the wounded. While he was waiting, White, he had to serve the hurting. While he was waiting, he had to serve the confused and the tormented. He had to bring healing to the one who was in misery. While he was waiting. The text gives us clarity and it says, and so it was. Whenever the Spirit of God came upon Saul, that David took the harp and played it with his hand. Then Saul became refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. I'm closing when I tell you that David is a picture of another servant who came from Bethlehem. David is a picture of another king who didn't come to be served, but who came to serve. Can I tell you this morning that David's father sent him to serve and Jesus' father sent him to serve. David was sent to serve a fallen king. Jesus was sent to serve a fallen humanity. David lived as an armor bearer in service to the king. And Jesus lived as an armor bearer for humanity. Yes, sir. I heard the gospel writers say he fought devils while he walked the dusty streets of Palestine. I heard the gospel writer say he healed the sick for three long years. I heard the gospel writer say he walked on water and calmed the storms. He was an armor bearer for all of humanity. I heard the gospel writer say he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. I'm closing right in here. I'm glad today my God was a servant king. He was a king who believed in suffering. Isaiah said he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I'm, I'm healed. He's a servant king with salvation on his mind. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad my Jesus was a servant. Can I tell you why? No other servant would take my place at Golgotha's crucifixion. No other servant would carry my cross to take away my sin. Out on the cross, the servant cries, he died. Didn't he die? He died for my sins, he died. Serving me, he put nails in his hands. Serving me, he put thorns on his head. Serving me to the spear in the side. That's my king. My king gave up his life. He died. Didn't he die? He died.
didn't he die for my sins he died for your sins he died they took my king placed him in another man's tomb but he didn't stay very long while he was in the tomb he was still serving humanity went down into hell took the sting out of the grave fastened the keys of death inside his girdle and early Sunday morning the father raised him back to life and my king is alive my king sits on high and my king gave me the same orders as I have come to serve now you must go and serve did you hear the king say did you hear him say go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father and in the name of the son and in the name of the holy spirit and I'll be with you until the end of the earth that's an order from the servant king is there anybody here that's a part of the royal family if you say today I'm a descendant of the king I'm an heir to the throne I'm in the royal family I got one more question then who are you serving where are the miserable folks where are the broken where are the wounded where are the weary and where are the sad if you say I'm a child of the king you ought to show me a long train of messed up people who's laying in your wake if you are a child of the king, I ought to be able to see some messed up lives somewhere in your car. I ought to be able to see some imperfect people who tore up from the flow up, walking in your train. If you are a son or daughter of the king, you've got a mandate to help the broken where are the hookers where the gangbangers where the dope dealers where the broken professionals where are the atheists where are the skeptics where are the doubters where are the liars where are the thieves where are the ex-coms how come I can't find them how come I can't see you with them just said you were a child of the king then where's the the proof is in the pudding you want to have somebody who's jacked up but in your side you want to have somebody who can't get up that you're trying to work with there ought to be some messed up people in your train am I talking to you here I'm closing now but I want you to know I ain't going to heaven by myself trying to take with me some ex-crips from Compton, California trying to take with me some dope smoking drug stealing, backstabbing snake in the grass crawling, used to be this and want to be that trying to take with me some folks that he died for are you listening in here who you taking with you on the way to glory who's in your car yeah what's in your wallet 
who you're trying to take to glory with you? Are you in the king's business? Are you in the king's business? If you're in the king's business, won't you shake a hand? Tell him I'm trying. I'm trying to take somebody with me to glory. Ah, 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 I know he's all right. Hey, 